0: Ayer's on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer.
1: Hey, parents out there in radio land and grandparents and anyone else who's listening. This will be an interesting show today because we are at the airport waiting to get on a plane to go and speak to a lovely group of parents in Minneapolis. So now that you know that, you will think of all these flight announcements as part of the ambient sound quality of today's radio show, and a good test for the iPhone 5, which is supposed to dim out the background noise, but I have my doubts about whether that will work, Linda.
0: Um, It is so funny because we're here with about 10,000 people. There are so many people crammed in here because their flight is late. So um, this will be interesting. But well, we have had a very interesting week. We just got out of baby jail today, this morning. If you listened last week, you know, we had a darling little 13-month-old for nine days. And actually, we had a ball with her. We had so much fun. But we did kind of forget about how um, tying it is to have a little baby, their four seven job. And you just really... Um, have to go, want to go somewhere really bad if you, uh, want to go. You have to get them in that car seat and, and get them going. But only one was not that big of a deal. So I don't remember, honey? We used to do nine like that without seatbelts, I have to say though.
1: You shouldn't admit that, Linda, that somebody will come after us for taking our children's life in our hands every time we went in the big van, which it did have seatbelts. It's just that there weren't. As many seatbelts as there were kids.
0: No, we had we had those seatbelts installed. Remember that? I mean, there was no rules in those days. It was hilarious. It makes you sound pretty old, but um, we really did have a lot of fun with throwing stuff back in the back of that van and having just having them roll along. But anyway, the baby uh, was a delight, and he sent her home to New York City. She'd never been in a car, hardly ever, in her life. And so we spent quite a few miles traveling with her in the car this weekend. We had a ball. She's adorable.
1: So, um, again, here we are in the Salt Lake City Airport. It's one of the most crowded days we've ever seen in the airport, but we'll be getting on the flight shortly, and we'll just keep on going. You can kind of fly along with us today, and as we do, we're going to tell you about a couple of really fun things we've done this past week. We had the honor to be the keynote speakers at a really great gathering in Ogden, Utah, called the Celebration of Marriage. Bless their hearts, they had about 1,000 people, and they were all just so excited about improving and strengthening their, their marriage. And
0: we wanted them to remember what we
1: said, so we broke it down to just five things. And we said to them, you know,
0: there's five things that are usually listed as the five main causes
1: of divorce. And so guess what? They are also the five things that if you want to stay married and improve your marriage, are the five things you absolutely must talk about all the time. Subjects that have to continually be
0: open subjects. What was your favorite of the five, Linda? Um, I think setting goals together is really fun but I do have to say that I have a husband that's a goal setter. And we have other children who are married to husbands who are not goal setters. So it's a little bit more difficult when you don't have a spouse that is on board with setting goals. But it really is fun to set goals at the first, we, at the first of the year, but we, we try to do a five year in advance goal setting so we know kind of where we want to be in five years.
1: Well, but let me clarify, we're not, we're not. We're not saying you have to be goal setters to have a good marriage. We're saying that your goals or your dreams or your aspirations are one of the five areas you've got to keep open communication going on if you don't want to have marital problems resulting from it. And the other four, I thought, by the way, Linda, I thought your first choice would be sex and intimacy, but you chose goals instead, and that's okay because... One of the other five is to really talk and be open and communicate about intimacy and not surmise anything or or try to guess how your partner's feeling. Number three is, of course, parenting methods. It's really important that couples talk frequently and often about how they plan to approach parenting and what their strategies are for raising their children and then of course faith and beliefs something that really has to be discussed and if it isn't there's bound to be serious disagreements and can anyone guess the fifth one it's actually the first one in terms of the one that people say causes their marital problems and divorces most often and that of course is money money and finances and we really believe that if you keep those five subjects wide open and communicate about them constantly, especially on Sundays, Linda, and Linda has a methodology for making sure a week doesn't go by without talking about each of these five things, then you're probably going to be strengthening your marriage rather than having a week. By the way, if you listen carefully to the Ambient news, you might even be able to tell where we're going by all these announcements.
0: Um, If not, you'll know that we're going to Minneapolis. Who decided on this trip uh, in February to Minneapolis? It's snowing like crazy there, but um, it's always a beautiful city and they have a lot of indoor walkways for this very reason, because it's freezing and cold all winter in Minneapolis. Um, I have to say that we um, like the number five, and when we talk about the kids, and we may have mentioned this on an earlier show, but when we talk about the kids... Um, we have something that somebody suggested to us many years ago, and we're so grateful for it. So if you haven't tried this, we hope that you will because what we call a five-basset review is one of the most valuable things we've ever done for our kids. Once a month, usually the first Friday of the month, we try to go out to a restaurant somewhere. Sometimes if we're traveling, we do this in the car. We talk about five aspects of our kids. We talk about the oldest child, for example. Our oldest is Saren. How is Saren doing physically? How is she doing socially? How is she doing mentally right now? Uh, how is she doing emotionally? What are her ups and downs? And how is she doing spiritually? So those five things, we just sit at a restaurant, And we'd talk about how those kids were doing. And, you know, usually you'd say, wait a minute, you had nine kids, five facets for each one. You must have had to go to a Chinese restaurant with 14 courses to get through all that. And actually, no, you know, usually we'd say, yeah, she's doing fine physically, but, you know, she is so painfully shy. We've got to figure out how we can make her more comfortable in her settings. And we'd say, let's invite kids to the house, see how she interacts with them. Then let's, you know, this, that, and the other. And we came up with a little plan of how we could work things out with our kids. And I think, really, we came up with some things that, cr- that made it so that we were putting out fires before they flew into flames. And we saw problems before they became out of control. And I think that's probably the most useful thing we've ever done in talking about our kids.
1: So there you have it. One of the five areas you have to talk about all the time, being your kids and parenting and getting yourself together, the two of you, if you're lucky enough to be a two-parent family. And at the same time, you're checking off one of your five things you have to communicate about all the time. But Linda has also, just as a stopgap measure, insisted all of our lives that on Sunday, sometime on Sunday, usually for most of our years, it's in the evening after the kids are in bed, that we have an executive session meeting, a meeting just for the two of us where we really check, have we talked enough about money? Are we up to speed? Do either of us have any questions? Are there any areas we might not feel we're on the same page on money. Secondly, what about our dreams and our goals and our aspirations? Are we on the same page there? Are we, do we know what each other's thinking? Are we aware of each other's efforts? And the same thing on long-range uh, goals. Where are we going with these
0: things that we're
1: trying to do in our lives? And and the same thing, of course, about sex and intimacy. Are, are we, are there are things that are unresolved. Are there things we should talk about. So, If you never let a week go by without sort of checking yourselves, are we on course? Are we talking about each of these five sort of indelible, essential areas that we just have to stay communicative about? And if the answer is, yes, we're doing it, then we're going to probably be fine. So we're going to start walking onto the plane now. You might hear a few ambient noises, but... We'll keep on going, and if I lose my train of thought, Linda will pick it up.
0: (laughs) Um, This will be an experiment we haven't really tried before. Um, How about um, the fact that it's really, really hard to get um, this to be a consistent plan? We have to admit we have missed a time or two. Um, when we have not been able to do this. But, you know, if you have it on your list to do it, it really does make a difference. I have to say, the reason we really do this every week is because I am married to a man who graduated from the Harvard Business School. And he he's all about business as far as the family goes. Oh, that
1: has nothing to do with it, honey. Come on. It's it does. It's you that call the meetings every week and you give me demerits if I don't show up.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. No, you have to have an executive session, and that is when we talk with each other. And then we have to have a middle management session where we talk with the older kids about how they can help with the little kids. And it really is um, quite interesting that we have to have all of these meetings and these um, sessions. But in the end, I think everybody's grateful that um, we have done that. The the kids, the middle-aged kids, once they pass aid become tutors. And the little kids become 2Ds. So it's pretty fun because, you know, they, every month they're assigned to take, well the older kids are assigned to take care of one of the little kids during the week and to read to them at night and help them with their homework if they need it and so on. It's good for both sets of kids. But it really is important to think about having some formal meetings to make your marriage work.
1: Absolutely. Um, okay, they're boarding um, our number, so we're headed up here to the front, and we should tell you that the reason we're going to Minneapolis is because we have a wonderful group of entrepreneurs, basically, young families who... One of the family members has started a business and they're burning the candle at both ends and they're really maybe neglecting some of their relationships and some of their family things, so they are ready to learn and we are ready to try to teach. So we're going to be heading out there and uh, speaking there tomorrow. And I think that we will now, as we board this plane take a brief break and we'll be back in a moment for the second half of Ayers on the Road and we will do it from the aircraft. Okay, here we are back for the second half of the show and during the, the break we had an interesting experience. We had an overly zealous um Quiet attendant. door of the plane who said, uh, sorry, sir, you can't carry your garment bag on the plane. And so I had a nice little argument with her, which I lost. You always lose those arguments. And so um, now I have to go and get my bag from baggage claim, which will make us a little late for our meeting. But you know what? If we worried about things like that, Linda. We'd never get anywhere in life.
0: That's true. You know, you get a power person every once in a while. You've carried that bag for a two million miles, and no one's ever asked for it to be checked. But you know, it's, stuff happens. Anyway, those of you who've been on planes know exactly what we mean. Um, so <laughs> we, we have. It. We don't uh, care. It's going it's to be a little quieter now because we are out of the main area where they're making those really loud announcements, but now they're putting music on. So I hope you enjoy the music as we finish the show today. We do um, want to say that it has been so fun to be talking about marriage. We've done columns this week on marriage in the Desert News and and to talk to all these people. Wow. But to talk to people afterward, I think is the most interesting. Um, we talked to several people who... Uh, had wonderful marriages and great homes and so on and then others were really struggling. That, uh, one who, one woman came up afterwards who had been married. She went on a mission for the LDS Church and then came home and then uh, got married and then got divorced and then cohabitated with somebody for a while and now she's a marriage counselor and that's why she came. And it was difficult for her to be here. I'm sure, because she's living on her own and just trying to get her life back together. But there are so many issues dealing with marriage, and we don't want you to think that we just think it's all a piece of cake and so easy. In fact, um, Richard and I have had several arguments even since the other night. we If you think we agree on everything, you are dead wrong. <laughs> um, it really is makes life interesting, I think, Um I keep saying, you know, there are couples that really are so, um, I don't know what to call it. I mean, they, they take care of each other. They don't argue. They kind of think the same way. They do the same thing. And, Boring. Um, Boring. And now, honey, you're advocating that people should argue. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, we disagree about everything, including that. Um, It's just that we agree on the main things, and we do talk about these five things. But um, about every day, we have a great disagreement about how something should be done. I do things completely differently than Richard. In fact, this is the way we feel about it. When um, we go to a movie, we laugh about this one night. If there is a perfect seat right in the middle of a big audience, but 25 people have to stand up for you to get to the middle seats, or there's a seat in the back that's partially obstructed view by a post, where would you sit? And I would sit in the back behind the post in a minute. Of course, Richard would not mind having 25 people stand up so we could get by. And so, you know, it's just very indicative of the way we function.
1: Wow. Boy, Linda, you're really... You're really bearing all of our personal secrets about going to movies now. What can I say? <laughs> um, you know, I should say that um maybe that's why so many people invite us to speak about marriage. They know if we can keep it together that anyone can, you know, given all of our big fundamental disagreements like where to sit in movie theaters. <laughs> but I do I do think you should know that our our topic for our speech tonight is um why relationships matter more than achievements. That's a good topic for this group because like I say these are all people who are CEOs of companies and they're still in their 40s. So by definition they're Taipei bay people are extremely aggressive. They're people who have sacrificed a lot to get where they are and I'm not taking that away from them, and I'm not saying they've made the wrong choices. I just think that what has to happen is constant reassessment in our lives. Are we devoting a disproportionate share of our mental energy, of our resources, of our attention, of our thought? Are we devoting a disproportionate share of it to achieving or to accumulating or to our career or to our profession at the expense, at the direct expense of our families. And, and again, I'm not the one to judge and no one's anyone to judge except each of us of ourselves. But constant reassessment of that. Is it worth it? Am I making good trade-offs? Am I giving up too much because I want achievement and uh, and perhaps is what I'm giving up our relationships and when there's a trade-off when there's a choice between doing something that benefits a relationship or doing something that benefits career or achievement or whatever do we make the right choice when we push the relationship to the background and make the choice to do something for our achievements that's this, that again, everyone has to evaluate that for themselves, but I tell you, we, in our travels and our speaking, it is amazing to me, Linda, how many people we run into who, in our humble opinion, are making really, really bad trade-offs. One of the prime examples is young college graduates, maybe they're in their mid or late twenties and they're, let's say they're working for a law firm or they're working in a in a brokerage firm or they're perhaps working in an investment banking firm. And the norm is to put in 14-hour days. The norm is to be there all day long and get, get in first and go home last. And I was thinking recently of a couple of the friends of our son in New York, and he was saying, you know, they, they don't see their kids because they leave for work before those kids are awake. And they don't see them in the evening because they get home late after the kids have already gone to bed. Sometimes they see them on weekends, although many times they have to work on weekends, too. And I ask myself, and I try to get them to ask themselves, is that worth it? Is the reward you're getting worth it? And a lot of times they'll say, well, yes, because, you know, in 10 years, I'll be a partner. And then I'll be able to do whatever I want, and it'll all be good. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what's going to happen in 10 years? Have you missed your kids growing up? Have you missed the time when your marriage could have become extremely strong and extremely uh, well-based? Or should you have readjusted a little sooner? And what we hate to see are people have regrets because they've made the wrong choice and done the wrong priorities back in the day.
0: You know, we do have a friend who, um, is in London, a couple who we love dearly. Um, they've been living in London for about five years now, and he is working for a very high-powered law firm. But he worked it out that he could go in a little bit later and so that he could have breakfast with the kids, take the kids to school, have a little fun with the kids before he goes, and then he doesn't get home sometimes till midnight. That was just his trade-off. He decided it was much more important for him to know his kids when, uh, or have known his kids when they were little and toddlers and so on than missing their whole life. And we're not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip here because we know a lot of times people are obsessed with achievements because they know that they are the support of the family and so on. And not always just in the case of the husband, also the wives who either choose to work or need to work. But there must be a way that you can figure out to spend more time with your number one priority. And if you really think hard about it, it's amazing how often you can come up with an alternative plan.
1: Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up that story of our, our friends in London, Linda, because usually, and not always, and again, we're not trying to generalize here, but usually when... Someone who does have a demanding career really, really makes up their mind that they are going to minimize how how big a price their family and their relationships are paying. They can find some kind of compromise i I like that this fellow' his name's Rob, and I love that Rob found a way that he could actually uh, do both. He, he, people were watching him to see if he left work too early and he thought they were judging him. He left before nine o'clock at night, but you noticed that nobody really cared that much or paid that much attention to what time he came in, and that instead of getting in at seven, which he had been doing, he could get in about nine or nine thirty and have spent a lot of good time, quality time really, with his kids and his wife before he went in. And, and we know, we know other people, I'm thinking of another guy, Linda, who, um, He'd actually go home, put his kids in bed, then he'd go back to the... I'm not recommending this, it sounds horrible to me, but he'd actually go back to the office after the kids were in bed and work until midnight. He felt he had to do it to advance his career, but at least he did it in a way that involved a a kind of a compromise that allowed him to spend more time with his kids. The more common thing, frankly, is... Giving something up, essentially saying, You know, maybe we don't need two incomes. well we do. we think we do, but maybe we can um, be get along with a smaller house or with you know older cars or something in order that we don't work so hard and so long that we have to sacrifice our time with kids. We know a lot of people who are working two or three jobs, and bless their hearts, you have to admire them, and they're struggling and to support their families, and you can't argue with that, but we also know people who have said, you know, maybe if I don't work that second job, I can spend more time with my family, but we'll have to sell one of our cars, or we'll have to live in a smaller home, or find a place for less rent. And I admire people who are willing to make sacrifices in order to preserve their relationships.
0: You know, actually, we did that at one time in our lives, honey. Uh, We were living in Washington, D.C., and Richard was gone four days a week. He would come home uh, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then gone again Monday through Thursday to everywhere from Puerto Rico to New England to everywhere. And we just decided after a grueling couple of years of doing that that it just wasn't worth it. And so we gave up the job and, and moved and got another job and we are forever grateful.
1: Indeed we are and I think it was a, I think most people who we talk to who have had to make some kind of a decision like that. I'm not sure Linda we've ever met anyone who said, oh that was a big mistake, you know, I, I sort of sacrificed my career in order to have more time with my kids and my family. We don't run into that. What we run into all the time are people who are saying, oh man, I wish I'd spend a little more time with my kids and my family because now, you know what, they're growing up, they're on their way, and I can't reach them.
0: So we wish you the very best with your marriages and with your families and with your priorities this week, and we hope to see you again again.